Hi friends, welcome to the Truth Applied Podcast. My name is Rebecca Ann Perkins. I am a full-time Christian speaker, Bible teacher, and master life coach. This podcast has undergone a few name changes, but if you know me, you know my mission has not changed. For more than 10 years, I've been following the call to help you understand the truth, which means good biblical theology, and apply that truth to your everyday life. We use a bit of life coaching, a bit of counseling, real stories, deep vulnerability, to make truth move from your head to your heart, to make it impact your life. In this day and age where culture is pulling us in a thousand directions and giving us a thousand empty promises, where self-help and self-reliance and self-worship are on the rise, we are a community of women who know better. We know that Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. But life is hard, and we've got some lies we believe and some hurts we need to heal from. So that's what we're here to do. I am your place where every Monday you can bank on getting truth and really practical truth at that. Thank you so much for being here today. I love God. I love depth. I love you. Let's get to the episode. Hello, hello, my friends. I've done a lot of interviews, so I wanted to just take a moment and say hi. I wanted you guys to hear my voice before we jump into another interview. Yes, <laughs> this week and next week, um, I'm bringing you guys an amazing conversation with Dr. Tony Cooper. She's a Christian psychologist. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to say hi and happy February to you. We are technically in a mini series called That's Just Bad Theology. But as I've been doing these interviews, I've realized that it's probably going to be better for me to teach individual podcasts, you know, do individual podcasts to address some of these theological issues that I want to address. So all that being said, uh, we're taking a pause, a two-week pause on That's Just Bad Theology for this interview. Okay, you guys are going to love this conversation that I have with Dr. Tony Cooper. Um, like I said, it's going to be two parts. So we're going to have this week and then we'll have next week. And then I will be doing a few weeks of me just teaching more of the direct, like addressing the most common incorrect theology that I see in the women that I work with and a little more Bible study-ish. So that is the plan. Hope you love today's conversation. Truly, truly a great conversation. Her volume is a tiny bit louder than mine. I don't think it affects your ability to listen to either recording this week or next week's, but I'm just giving you a heads up. I think she was like closer to her mic than I was to my mic when we were recording <laughs> this show. Um, but man, her wisdom is deep and we love a lot of the same things and super awesome content. So enjoy today's show, enjoy next week's show, and then I'll be back to pick up on the mini series of That's Just Bad Theology. Welcome to this week's show, everybody. I have a guest with me that I'm super excited about. Uh, her name is Dr. Tony Cooper, and I'm going to read her bio real quick uh, before I have her introduce herself to you. A uh, little forewarning, I'm thinking already this might turn into two episodes because 
just even talking beforehand, we have a lot of a lot in common and a lot of similar interests. And I just, I think we're going to be chatting for a while. So um, Dr. Tony Cooper is a psychologist, author, and public speaker. Since 1986, she has been teaching adults the strategies to grow emotionally, build healthy relationships, heal from trauma, and experience God at a deeper level. Tony's mission is to help people find the courage, confidence, and comfort they need through a deep bond with Jesus Christ. I could not have said that better myself. <laughs> in uh, 2019, Tony felt led to go digital with her message to help people become fully alive in Christ. At that time, she started a YouTube channel to help people develop practical coping strategies from a biblical perspective. She also has a podcast called Life Without Baggage, and she's written seven books which I will have her talk about towards the end um, of our conversation okay. today. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited. Okay. So you do uh, private practice. Are you a, are you a full-time counselor? Can you tell people about that part of what you do real quick? Yeah, I've been in private practice since 1986. I work exclusively with adults. I was working with other ages early on, but I really feel like I'm the most effective with adults. I developed some specialties as I noticed what people tended to come in with over and over. Mm -hmm. So I've been working in private practice. I, I've also done other things while I've been in private practice. I've I kind of put myself in situations where I would learn as much as I can uh, I just thought I would be more effective. So I've also worked in VA settings, mm. in community counseling mm. centers, in uh, inpatient unit for a while. So I've done a little bit of everything, but my love is private practice mm. and helping people integrate their faith with effective coping, effective living mm. to live out of their authentic self that God designed them to be. I love it. Before I jump in, because we are going to get just like, you know, we're going to share our kind of the brains that God has given us and all the things um, that I think maybe both of us have experienced with working with so many people, right? To just give so much value to the to the listeners today. But I would love to ask you a question. You know, we have some questions already that we've agreed on and that we're going to, we're, I'm excited to get to. I'd like to start with a question that's not on the list. Okay. Who is God to you? Okay. So Jesus Christ is God. Yes. He came in the flesh. He didn't originate in Nazareth. He was from the beginning. He, he was involved in creation. We learn all that in the book of John chapter one. Yes. I came to know him as my personal savior at the end of high school. I was pretty much a mess. And so uh, the Lord started cleaning up the mess as I read his word, as I began to learn how to make decisions that were in line with the word of God. He's my redeemer. Isaiah 54, I think, says he's my husband. Mm -hmm. um, and he has many names. And so as we get to know him better, we experience him in different ways. Yes. So that's like a short answer. Okay. It's perfect and wonderful. And I ask because, you know, when we dive into these type of, 
conversations about things like mental health. And um, I think it can be easy to venture into territory that relies on human effort instead of God and the power of God. And it's so important to me that what I do when I'm trying to quote unquote help people um, that I'm never pointing them towards anything, but ultimately, you know, Christ ultimately the the one who truly saves, heals, comforts, redeems. And so, you know, having guests on the show that see the world the same way is priceless, first of all, but I just like my audience to know uh, sure. who we're dealing with in this day and age, because you never know. Um, so what inspired you? What inspired you to focus on? I know your most recent book, I believe, is called um, Anxiety, Depression, and Helplessness. Um, right. So what inspired you to focus on these things specifically? Uh, it seemed as though those were the things that came up over and over and over. And when I was working at the VA, and when I was studying, uh, I worked with combat veterans for a while. And it was really interesting to me because it seemed as though people radically changed as a result of their military service. Yeah. Uh, most of the people I worked with, there were some men, some women, had been through what we would call extremely traumatic events mm -hmm. and how it changed them. And there is a concept called learned helplessness. It's not a diagnosis. And I'll give you an example of it. Okay. To it, it makes the most sense to give an example. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about how baby elephants are trained, when, when they're babies, they're tied to a tree or a pole, something that isn't going to move. So every time they try to go anywhere, they try to do anything, they're pulled back. Mm -hmm. So when they become adults, this is how they train elephants for mm -hmm. the circus. When they become adults, they can keep them in one place just by the rope tied around the leg. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to be tied to anything. Mm -hmm. So what happens is when there's experiences, whether it's in combat, whether it's as a child, whether it's as an adult, where over an extended period of time, we're in situations where we're helpless and there's nothing we can do. And everything we try to do is blocked and maybe horrible things are happening around us. Mm. We can become kind of frozen. Mm. And so even though we may believe the right things about what the Bible teaches, our lives may not be demonstrating that freedom and confidence and ability to move forward. And most of the time, people don't even know why they're stuck. What would that, you know, what might that look like for someone who just grew up in, let's say, a, a dysfunctional home or a controlling home or, a, you know, an environment like who wasn't in the military, but uh -huh. they feel that way now as a grown man or a grown woman, even a Christian woman? Um, what might have happened? Can you give us some specific examples of like the ways parents might talk to their kids or something that might've happened that turned a, an adult into somebody who has this learned helplessness? Yeah, you gave a good example. It can be abusive situations, but it, it can also be a chronic medical condition that severely limits a person, mm. a highly controlling parent 
where you feel like no matter how hard you try, you can't do anything right. But what happens is when we get to the age where we're technically allowed to make our own decisions, we're waiting for other people to tell us it's okay to do this. Or there's so much fear about making a mistake that even though the Lord might be drawing you to try something, to take a step, it's like, well, uh, I don't think that I would be good at that. Well, I don't think I would do it right. And we hold back. I mentioned to you before we started recording that when I wrote my first book, I didn't even use my real name (laughs) because I didn't think I knew what I was doing. And in a way I didn't, but I still felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And now I use my real name, but you know, we take baby steps, but when we don't take the baby steps, because we feel like we're not good enough, that uh, we aren't important, that why would God use me? All those kind of um, negative thoughts about it's too scary Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to do it. it I wouldn't be work. able to do it right. Yeah. There's all those things that go through our heads. And that that isn't what the Bible teaches about our value, our worth, our authority as believers. So a lot of people live in sort of a passive state where they're afraid to make a change. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to say no. They're afraid to take a step forward. So it can look different with different people, but a lot of times there's so much difficulty with setting boundaries or taking risks. Mm. Okay. So by the grace of God, I I grew up in a rather, I think, balanced and empowering home. So I've always had a mindset of, of feeling like there's a a problem or a solution to any problem, you know, kind of always a way out. There's always an answer in the word. There's, it, it just feels to me like, unless even, even in a season of maybe suffering that God is allowing me to walk through, I have the resources of God. I mean, nothing ever really feels stuck to me, which is probably why I ended up doing what I do. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. But nothing feels stuck to me. Um, and if I feel stuck, I'm very quick to let's journal it out. Let's talk. I hate that feeling. I don't stay Mm -hmm. there. Is there a name for that? I mean, if there's a learned helplessness kind of way that people are living, what's the opposite? What's the name for people who, is there a title for that? Um, I don't know if there's a clinical title. I would just say proactive where we're weighing our options and we're making decisions and we feel confident enough to hear the Lord and Mm -hmm. follow whatever steps he gives us. Mm -hmm. But people, some of these things are so at a person's core their fear of making a mistake, their fear of rejection. It's its so incorporated at the core of who they are that they don't even know they're stuck sometimes. No, they don't. Is this the, the, the reason that some people who really, really need and could benefit from therapy or coaching or whatever never go? It's like, do, do they just think it's not going to work or it's not going to work for me? I mean- think there's a lot of reasons. Um, <laughs> lots, lots of reasons. A lot of times when people come to my office, they say, I've wanted to do this for a long time, mm-hmm. but, um, mm-hmm. women, especially other people's needs will dominate their self-care mm-hmm. to a point where it's not 
it's a problem for them a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But during different phases of life, if your kids are young, you probably are going to be at the bottom of the totem pole because that's kind of how it, it almost has to be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes it's fear, it's shame, not realizing that what you're feeling is super common and it, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, but you may be experiencing something that you just don't know what to do with it. And when you try to talk to other people about it, if they haven't had some kind of similar experience, and unfortunately, especially in the church, you're looked at as, well, you must not have a very strong faith or you wouldn't have this struggle. And that's not, you know, until we get to heaven, there's stuff, right? Yeah. 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 Oh man. I I definitely want to get to that concept here in a little bit. Um, How does this idea of helplessness play into kind of the anxiety and depression? There's a lot of anxiety and depression going on right now. Um, Is it a cause of it or is it more like a thing that keeps people stuck in it? Uh, I would say before the pandemic, I would look more at people's individual like upbringing or situations they'd been in where they they couldn't find a solution. And maybe they maybe there wasn't one for a while. There can be seasons where it just mm-hmm. seems like nothing's going right and you don't know what to do differently. Mm-hmm. But the world has become so chaotic that even people that weren't really having too much trouble coping a few years ago are finding it hard to regroup, are finding it hard to find like uh, some kind of resolution to family problems Mm. or uh, the constant change. We're not designed for constant change, but our culture and the world has become so chaotic that unless you know how to really sink your roots in deeply to the Lord, Mm. you know, there's lots of shaking and You want to be able to stand firm in whatever you need to do without undue stress. Mm -hmm. How does being uh, rooted in the Lord help this learned helplessness? Well, uh, I would say I'll give a personal example here. So one of the things I do for myself is each day I try to start before I'm like out in the world or before I go to work to have some time where I'm reading the Bible. But I'm not reading the Bible as an intellectual activity. I started off that way, but I learned that the more that I could approach reading the word of God as his communication to me, And then I could respond with either, wow, Lord, I need to really get that into my spirit or, whoa, that's a bad attitude. I repent for that. I'm, you know, help me do better. Mm -hmm. But where I was listening for how the Lord wanted to speak to me, teach me, direct me. So it became more and more relational Mm -hmm. and less like something I ought to do because I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so when it's based in our spiritual connection, our relationship to Jesus Christ, there's a strength that develops in us. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 3.16 talks about 
the strength at the core of our being. I pray that for myself and for other people frequently mm. for a strength at the core of our being. Mm. We may not have been raised and given that strength, but the Lord transforms us and can create that strength or something happens to us and we, we lose our bearings. But as we, again, go back to being connected to Jesus Christ and asking him, declaring his word, I went through something a year ago and for a long time I was declaring his word, Lord, you restore my soul. I'm trusting you to restore what has been taken from me, to restore your purposes, your joy. And so it, it's a relationship. It's not just intellectual. And as we approach it more as I'm having time with my husband, my best friend, my redeemer, mm -hmm. like we would a person, mm -hmm. you know, where, where we feel safe, we can pour out our soul and where we're going to get wisdom and strategies for how to live that day. And so we're not starting off empty or starving for someone else's approval. We're starting off full and confident and rooted and stuff might happen during the day, but if, if we've, if we've got our roots deep, deep in the Lord, not in people, not even in ourselves, but in the Lord, there's a wisdom and a power yeah. that we won't have any other way. Yep. Amen. And that's, you know, yeah, all the things that I've tools that I've learned as a coach that are helpful and the things that you use as a therapist, you know, the cognitive behavioral therapy and, and I don't know, EMDR, like all the things that people use that are somewhat helpful. Um, what you and I know and, and other people who know the Lord is that those things, they are helpful, but they only, they're not the same thing as the spiritual reality of the power of God and the transformative work that he can do and the power of the Holy Spirit that comforts us and things like that. So on that line of thinking, because obviously like, I'm going to, I'm going to say like God, you know, can do anything because he can, but I deeply believe that people need to reach out and ask for help. <laughs> what oh, are you sure. What do you say to people who say, you know, um, no, I just need, I just need prayer and the Bible and anybody who need thinks they need anything else is not trusting God enough. They're not relying on God enough. They're not praying on God enough or praying to God enough, whatever, because I still hear that sometimes I still hear people mm -hmm. sometimes who say, if you just had more faith, or if you were just a Christian, you wouldn't need to reach out and ask for help. I mean, what do you say to all that? Okay. So first Thessalonians 5:23 says may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord created us body, soul and spirit. Mm -hmm. So if I have put on some weight and I think well I'm going to pray that this weight goes away. Mm -hmm. Uh I don't know too many people where that is the solution, right? I have to exercise and change what I'm eating. So we are body, soul, and spirit. Most of the people who are struggling, their spirit is fine. They're reading the Bible, they're praying, but their soul needs attention. Mm -hmm. 
So if your thinking is really critical, really negative, judgmental, Mm -hmm. that's a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. So if we're doing that to ourselves, Mm -hmm. how can we hear the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we are body, soul, and spirit, and all three dimensions need attention. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I also lately have had this thought that like God gives every member of the body gifts and those gifts are actually meant to serve the body. I mean, the right, right? we're meant, they're meant to edify. And so I just like, to me, it's a little mind blowing that people wouldn't believe or kind of open their mind up to the fact that you know, there's some members of the body who have been given the gift of, of preaching or teaching or even leading music and you go to church and that blesses you so deeply. Why is it so hard to believe or understand that God has gifted some Christians to do this kind of work and that, that it's his way of helping it. It's from God. It's still from God. You know, it's like that, that analogy. I think a lot of people have heard this joke where somebody's drowning and God sends a boat and they're drowning and God sends a boat and they don't take the boat and they get to heaven. And they're like, why didn't you help me? And he's like, I did. I sent three boats. Sent the boat. (laughs) It's like for the Christians out there who are resistant to this kind of help. um, Well, and the other thing that you, that I think about is a lot of times if there is this rigid adherence to there's only one way to do things, that's sort of a defense. It is. Totally. It's a perfectionistic kind of, it sounds so holy, mm-hmm. but it's, it's pseudo, uh, it's pseudo spiritual because mm-hmm. we're ignoring the soul. We're ignoring our need for authentic connection. So if you just live in that place of the law, you won't really be very authentic or vulnerable with other people. And you're- So you just said a word that I think holds a lot of people back, the vulnerability. Oh, um, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, what do you, how how can people who are struggling to be vulnerable become more vulnerable? What, what would you say to someone who's just like, I got my walls up. I don't want anyone to see this. How do they break through that? Well, we're commanded to forgive. We are not commanded to trust. So we have to figure out who can I trust with what I'm struggling with? Because it's not wise to trust everybody or be vulnerable with everybody. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's one person that you know, they're going to love me no matter what I tell them. And it's not good for me to hold all this in. And sometimes that is the therapist. Sometimes it's a friend or a a relative or a spouse where we can just be real and say, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, Mm -hmm. but this is what I've been struggling with. Mm -hmm. And you start there, you start small. And if you get a bad reaction, that's not the right person Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable with, but it shouldn't be with everyone. I like that a lot because it's empowering, right? It it takes away that helplessness of like, okay, well, if I go see some coach or some counselor and they, they're going to be the authority and I, they're going to know, pretend like they know everything about me and talk down (laughs) to me. 
and they're going to make me feel stupid. No, they're not. And if you get somebody like that, you have every right to be like, I don't want to meet with you anymore. Right? right. You're in control even of who you're vulnerable with and how you ask for help and all like, yeah, that's a great way. Absolutely. Jesus wasn't open and vulnerable with everybody. Mm-mm. And even among the 12, there were three that he spent mm. the most time with that he took to the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm. And there's a verse in John, I think it's chapter two. I, I caution people about overusing this verse, but it said that Jesus didn't trust men because he knew what was in their hearts. <laughs> so yeah. we don't want to be stupid about trusting <laughs> everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, we tend to see Jesus in one way, but if you read the Bible, there's a whole lot of, of dimensions to Jesus, but we, we need to be selective in who we trust. Mm-hmm. I love that. I've never actually looked at it that way. That's very helpful. Okay. <laughs> How great is this chat? So I cut it right there midway through our conversation because I end up asking her a very different question and we move the conversation in a direction about grace and uh, guilt. So make sure you come back next week, you guys, and tune in to hear the rest of my conversation with Dr. Cooper. Have a great week. Friend, you listened all the way through to the end. I know enough about podcasts to know that must mean that you liked it. If you did like it, can I just ask you really quick to do a favor? Rate or review this podcast. Maybe share it with a friend. Maybe text it to them or share it on social media. This content is blessing women and helping them grow. And ultimately, yes, we want to grow the show. We want to grow the community because we want to grow the kingdom of God. You can help us get truth out there by doing any of those things that I just mentioned. And also, don't forget to check the show notes. There'll be links to everything that we talked about in today's episode, as well as links to my website directly. If you're interested in Christian life coaching, you can book a free discovery call. If you're interested in having me speak at an event to your women, you can book a free networking call with me and we'll chat. All right, guys, I'll see you next Monday. 